In May of 2008, the U.S. Congress Subcommittee on Oversight and Investigations of the Committee on Energy and Commerce met to discuss the proliferation of biocontainment labs. At the time, the Department of Homeland Security was proposing the shutdown of a facility isolated on an island off the east coast of the United States and transfer of its operations to the mainland. This specific bioresearch facility had been at the center of an effort to combat the pathogen known as foot and mouth disease. Foot and mouth disease, a highly contagious disease caused by a virus that can severely affect cattle and farm animals. Its virulence made it a major concern during the Cold War, when the U.S. military had considered using it to destroy Soviet farms and food stores. During the meeting in 2008, the subcommittee discussed a government exercise that had been implemented to assess the preparedness of the U.S. in the case of a large-scale outbreak. The exercise ended with the destruction of almost 50 million head of livestock, food shortages, riots, and a 25-mile ditch filled with the carcasses of infected animals. The facility that for 50 years has been at the heart of the research for this calamitous disease may have other secrets locked away in its deepest levels. This case file join the theorists as they go for the body and reacquaint themselves with the great governor of Minnesota on the shores of Plum Island. Theorizing Case File 213, Plum Island. I'm Braden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. And I'm Andrew. Another, another week, another file. Another week, another file. You know what? This, I will say this right off the bat. I absolutely love this case file because it connected me with an old friend. A long lost friend. <laughs> long lost friend. <laughs> And I don't know why I, you know, I, I, we drifted apart, but goddamn Jesse Ventura is the goddamn, he's a goddamn gift. king. He's, a, he's the gift that keeps on giving. Hmm. In no simpler words. I mean, has there been a man that's worn any more hats than Jesse Ventura? I don't know. I, I don't, maybe you guys haven't seen the movie Abraxas, but that is not the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> I haven't, but. If Jesse Ventura is in it, it's got to be I've good. I've seen The Running Man. I've seen Predator. Oh, yes, he's good. I've yes, seen he's Ricochet. But uh, older, um, <clears throat> yeah, older Jesse Ventura, Abraxas, is, uh, that is no such gift. There's nothing good in that. Come on, Dan. <laughs> that, got, that man used to be a Navy SEAL. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. I was a Navy SEAL for 17 I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have time to bleed. Yeah, yeah. I ain't got time to bleed. He's also was, a sexual tyrannosaurus. I was the governor does. of Minnesota. <laughs> I once wrestled Bob Backlund for 45 minutes in a draw. What would you say to the fact that there is not a single plum on all of Plum Island? And that's a fact, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> what pitted fruit is as sinister as the plum? I ask you that. You don't have an answer. The plum is only native to Southeast Asia. 
And I guarantee you that at any convenience store on Plum Island, you can't find one. So why would they name it that if they're not hiding something? But yeah, I that, mean, co- that covers right. a lot of the. Um, yeah, we're pre- goodbye, <laughs> everybody. It's over. Finished. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Case follow. What do you need? Yeah, I don't think you need anything else. That pretty much, uh, that pretty much nailed it on the head. We've covered everything. Bra- Braden got his old friend on the show just for a quick two minute little segment. Told you, told you everything there is to need to know about Plum Island. Yeah, and uh, it's there are my, no plums my, on Plum Island. My Jesse Ventura is just an exasperated Kevin from The Office. <laughs> Uh, yep. just, it's funny how natural that comes to you, hey? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen this guy handle chili before? Yeah. It's a mess. Mm. Uh, nice. Plum. Mm. Plum Island. Everyone's favorite cons- favorite conspiracy theory of the internet. I mean, it is one of the favorite. I don't know about it. It's awesome. Most favorite. One of the it favorite. Definitely. Awesome. It's super intriguing. I mean, it's got those it's got those weird coincidences where you're like, God damn, that's a pretty nice, nice coincidence. Boys, it's got some fucking there. creatures, it's got Nazis, it's got fucking yeah. diseases, yeah, it's got it everything. Nazis. It's got everything. What more can you ask for? Jesse How Ventura. Much? So those who aren't so familiar with Jesse Ventura uh, <laughs> in Plum Island, uh, Plum Island is an island that's about one and a half miles off the coast of Long Island, New York. Uh, it is a island that was purchased in 1899 after being owned uh, previous to that by families, uh, you know, number of affluent families that lived in New York at the time. And don't you think it's U- weird that we don't know the name of the previous owner? I mean, I mean, it's a mystery. I just didn't bother to look it up. <laughs> I couldn't and find you it. You called yeah, like yourself a conspiracy theorist, yeah. Dan. What kind of patriot are you? If you don't know, <laughs> you tell me that, Dan. <laughs> For, dude, I look. I tried to find out who owned the island previously, and like outside of like anything legit, people are just like, there's like Rockefellers are thrown out around and like. You know, uh, they they just re- repossessed it from like a, a person who died, and they just took it over. It's that's a mystery I couldn't find, and a- everywhere I looked, no one states who the previous owner was. The previous owner was the Native Americans of the area that yes. was taken from them. I mean, eventually, <laughs> I mean, yeah, as is most of the land, <laughs> most of all that <laughs> land there. <laughs> It was purchased in 1899 by the United States government uh, following the Spanish-American War for approximately, probably today, like, I think, equal today's total of $90,000. And then the U.S. Army went ahead and established a artillery post on there, later known as Fort Terry. And it's still, uh, I think it's still its official designation for part of the island. Well, that was, and that was like, you know, the idea was that it's, easier to defend the like radar wasn't that great in the day so if, if there was a fleet amassing at least you know plum island would have visuals on it before you know some sort of defensive strategy for the east coast uh, right it was, a, it was a coastal artillery port which was yeah. the defensive you know strategy of the day you wanted to have stuff on the kind of like islands i mean in europe they have those island forts and things like that and other they places pro- they but, probably yeah. had them like quite a few installations up and down the coast, I'd imagine. Oh, so you admit there's islands in other parts of the world? Yes, Jesse. There are islands. Perfect. You are correct. <laughs> yes, Mr. Body. We can confirm that. <laughs> but what we're mostly going to talk about is not just the geographic uh, 
location of the island, but we're actually talking about there's a site that is located on there known as the Plum Island Animal Disease Center. Uh, it's a federal facility that is uh, pretty much to this day, um, you know, right up until probably, I think, early next year or late this year, a month or so. Um, it is the nation's most important lab for combating infectious animal diseases. Like was so it foot? Say. Was it, what's it foot and mouth disease or? Uh, yep, foot and mouth disease. That's the one that it's most recognized for in uh, biological you know, in biological circles. Is that it is known for developing, helping to combat foot and mouth or hoof and mouth. Like the, it has a number of names: hand, foot, face, hand, foot, disease. mouth. It, yeah, it, and people, and, anyways, and, it, and kids. People get it. Like people get this disease. There were some readings where I was like, where it was like to make sure it doesn't jump. And I was like, motherfuckers, I it was like, when I was in Thailand, I remember getting a handout and they were like, some of the kids may have hand, foot, mouth disease. And I was like, what the hell is that? And I had to look it up and I was like, this is, I was like, you get some blisters on my hands and shit. Like, this is crazy. I was like, so then when I was reading, I was like, I was like, it, it, it is in humans. Like there was a lot of misconception of what I was reading and listening of people thinking that this right now only affects hooved animals. And I'm like, it's well, the difference though disease. is like, you you know, you can get it as a adolescent and you can get sick, spike fevers. You can be ill. Your cattle gets it and it can wipe out an entire population. Well, yeah. Of that, cattle. That's what they're, they're worried about that. Cause yeah. Cause if you have a herd of 10,000 hat, like head of cattle and it gets in there, you got to obliterate the whole thing. So it's like the economic loss of like that, that getting out into like the a nation's food supply is devastating. So, yeah, Absolutely. I think people probably our listeners in the UK are probably familiar with the mm. 2001 outbreak uh, there. And they had over 2000 cases of the disease in farms across most of the British British countryside. Oof. And then after they were done, like, I mean, you have to call the entire herd because it spreads. It's so virulent that it spreads so quickly. It can be carried by uh, it can be carried by feed. It can be carried on, you know, caretaker clothing uh, on the breath of animals anywhere. So it pretty much like and it ruins the it, it can ruin like dairy cows like their their milk production goes way down. Um, same with like it just makes animals super sick, sores, all kinds of gross stuff. And then after the crisis was over, you know, they had to destroy all of these animals they said the estimated cost was about eight billion pounds oh my it's fucking what like double canadian basically yeah, double yeah jesus yeah so they're 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 looking after it's like this is a level three bio lab facility so we talked about the one in wuhan before the level four pretty much there's level one two three four ones it's like basic two it could be moderate risk of infection Three is potential for airborne transmission. So that's when you start to see the guys and like they suit up and they have the special chambers. And level four is infectious agents that could aerosolize and be transmitted. So that's like. Right. So level four is you're basically wearing spacesuits. Like you have to wear pretty much spacesuits or all the, all the lab work, all of the manipulating or um, whatever you're working with has to be inside like one of those seamless uh, Which, like, hoods, like on? ventilated hoods. 
Yeah. yeah, with the little gloves. Yeah. yeah, with those gloves. Yeah. Like the, it has to be inside of there. But that's not even proof. Again, Mission Impossible 3. She just fucking chimered it right through their little latex glove. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, level four is, yeah, all that is true. But also, usually it's a room inside a room and you have to like scrub up to go in. Yeah, there's airlocks. Like the airlocks are involved mm-hmm. and there's like three levels of decam- decant- uh, decontamination. Like you have to walk out, decontaminate your suit, take your clothes off, decontaminate your inner, inner suit, take yeah. another shower, <laughs> go out of that, strip down naked decontaminate that and then you have to like sit for like a couple hours or something like that after working with some of these things like it's it's a pretty involved process yes. pretty lengthy process so we're almost at the highest level on plum island from what yeah. the public knows at least so uh plum island has kind of changed hands over the years like originally like we said like the the island was mostly owned by the u.s army then it was turned over by the u.s chemical corps after world war ii um Then it kind of went to the USDA, United States Department of Agriculture, took control of it. And then uh, after the 2000, or sorry, after the um, 9-11 attacks, like Homeland Security took over it in 2003. Hmm. Uh, They took over official control. And then with them, like they they worked through some like private contractors and such, uh, maintaining the facility and then maintaining security around the facility. Hmm. I mean, it makes sense. So, Eastern Seaboard, level three lab. Well, I yes, I did read that. Because when I heard Homeland Security, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. But then, like, I had also, uh, you know, it was, that specific lab was named... Like in an Al- was an Al Qaeda like right. attack Al- list? Yeah, right. In two thousand eight, they found a uh, they found a list of targets from an Al Qaeda. They recovered like a list of you know targets that were put on an Al Qaeda list, and Plum Island facility was on there as a as a like a, a target that could perhaps like cause as much you know when you're looking for a to cause as much damage or as much kind of. Uh, chaos as possible. Plum Island was on there. Well, yeah. it makes sense, right? If there's airborne viruses there and you, you know, break them out of their seal, who knows what could happen? So it it definitely made sense to me that I was like, I would kind of change hands, but it was kind of I was like, well, it was weird for me that I was like, well, why are they taking over the whole like Homeland Security is now going to be running this research lab i was like you think they would just be maybe in charge of Of the security i I thought they were just in charge of the security of it like they worked in they worked in the homeland security took control of the security and then you had like usda kind of working in a partnership like between the two but i think it was kind of under the 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 whole thing was under the homeland security as it kind of counted because uh, at this point you had the kind of uh you had the cropping up of the kind of agro defense I think kind of became a came a thing where it was you know people were worried about homeland security kind of uh, started to worry about the uh, the possibility that there could be a terrorist attack that would affect like food stores and mm. livestock and things like this like these would be considered vulnerable terror targets. Definitely. Little did well, they know they didn't have to worry about terrorists, but more so ex governors of Minnesota. Mm. Uh, this is an interesting time too, because like between 2001 and 2008, um, the amount of like germ labs and like lab research labs of that, like of this kind that are doing this kind of research exploded from like a couple hundred to over 1300 uh, within the decade. Just in the which States a, or worldwide? Just in the States, which I, f- was, I thought was fascinating. I was like, that's a fucking lot of labs doing this kind of work. 
not all level three, but like very similar. Uh, so it's, it was like definitely people were starting to get interested in, you know, this kind of research. And then it would make sense that if Homeland Security would take it over, because you got to think there's some memo about like potential, you know, germ attacks or, or you know what I mean? Like we, we live through the anthrax mail, you know, shit like that. So it would make sense that you would take control of this facility, maybe in the guise of, well, we're going to do this research to better prepare ourselves for someone else's offense. Right. You know, the classic, the best defense defense. is a better offense. The best defense is 1300 bio labs across your country studying potential hazardous effects. I mean, yeah. So you had a, you had the aging facility on there, which is now like, it's been there since the, what the four fifties. Yeah. Like it's been working on stuff like there. So throughout its entire 60 year history or so of the, the facility, um, it, it does try on its website stuff. It, it touts that they haven't had, um, a number of, you know, they try to say that they're 100% safe or whatever that, but that's not necessarily the case as that they, I, I think they word it as that no, no virus or no pathogen has escaped the island specifically, <laughs> but they did have at least one verifiable, like through, you know, which is available through public documents that you find um, that there was an outbreak um, in 1978. So in 1978, there was a release of, uh, of the hand, the virus that causes uh, foot and mouth disease. And it managed to get into some of the cattle in the holding pens in Plum Island. So mm-hmm. actually like outside and the, uh, the island or the facility took it rather seriously. Cause this triggered like a whole new, uh, like a whole new bunch of safety d- development of safety procedures on the island. And even though, um, that one had been known, like when it got out, like <laughs> I think one, I think one newspaper referred to it as the, uh, what is it? The, de- oh, fuck, what was it? Like the devil's prison of viruses or something is <laughs> some really sensational headline <laughs> about talking about the, uh, uh, the facility itself. So that's who used to own it. The devil, the devil himself makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Um, the Homeland security actually told the house committee, uh, the island has like ties to Satan himself. Uh, the Homeland Security Department told the House Committee, uh, the United States, you know, House of Representatives, uh, when they were kind of grilling them over the possibility of something cracking out of Plum Island, kind of got back on the the idea. Because I think in 2008 or 2006, they were actually talking about this is when they started to begin the idea or they begin to uh, start to assess sites for the relocation of the operations that were going on Plum Island to another facility. Yeah, they're because they're switching yeah, into where the Kansas or something, aren't they? Well, that was the that's Yes, the, that's correct. They plan to build a bigger, more sinister facility in Kansas. They're they're b- currently building a, a more deadlier facility in the heart of cattle country. Well, it's already built. That's the thing. Being tra- <laughs> so what you're telling us, Dan, is we're too late. Right. But there were other possible locations for it. So like um, th- this facility is named the National Bio and Agro Defense Facility. And the other possible locations were Athens, Georgia, Butner, North Carolina, San Antonio, and Florida, Mississippi. Those are the ones that were kind of vying for it. But uh, Kansas has the advantage, or at least this is what the uh, the officials 
claim uh, as to why they chose Kansas is since Kansas, uh, that that specific location and its uh, proximity to like Kansas State University, which does a lot of um, agricultural, uh, biological uh, research, uh, it is it's it's part of or it's like right in what is known as like the animal health corridor. And it's like it's Sounds where like all of the research, all of the research, <laughs> it's where all the research, all of the not only from like the academic side, but from the industry side as well, kind of intersect in Kansas. So their reasoning for putting it there, as most people would be like, why the fuck would you put a uh, a facility to study virulent diseases right in the heart of cattle country yeah their reasoning is that we're going to put this facility here that's going to have biosafety level four oh you uh, upgrading you know, it too facilities upgraded facilities newly freshly minted freshly built as opposed to the aging infrastructure that is on plum island we're going to put it here because we can have access to both the industry and the academics like both the private side and the you know the academic side coming together you That's think the their... industry guys would be like no easy beat it yeah. this is terrible place to do this we don't want anything to do with it what yeah. just it's it's <laughs> i mean if they had if they had one slip up catastrophic yep right i mean like, but you could also say the same thing as like why does the cdc have their place in atlanta highly dense yeah, the thrashers city. aren't even there anymore. So, killed them <laughs> off. Obviously, you gotta you gotta put facilities where the infrastructure infrastructure is with people. You know, I guess so. But still, one one slip up, you got five million cattle just waiting to be scorched. Well, I mean, isn't that the yeah. capital of like? Isn't that the biggest population where they cattle farm? Or I don't think necessarily Kansas. Um, I don't know the figures off the top of my head, but cattle inventory um, versus human population. So there was a lot, there was a lot of stuff and people are going to be like, well, why did nobody tell me about this? They did. They talked about this for a long time. Like there was a lot of deliberation over putting this place in Kansas. Like, but the, they never consulted me, Dan. I never heard it once. They didn't. They didn't. Um, But are you, are you a, (laughs) are you an expert in biosafety (laughs) and biosecurity? Even the governor at the time in New York was, he was lobbying for it to stay on Plum Island and just to upgrade the facilities there for the reason that we're talking about of like if there is an incident it like there's less damage to be done on Plum Island than where it currently now is in Kansas. Well, I mean, I wonder if it kind of also like helps the you know, the budget kind of helps the, the city I, a little was, bit in the area. But that was one of the selling points that I think one of the state the state senator uh from Kansas kind of pushed was being like when he was trying to sell it to the people he's like it's going to bring jobs. Yeah, like that's going to do. You'd think an island would be the best spot for this because I don't think birds can carry um, hand, foot, and mouth disease. No, I don't. Right? Yeah, so I don't it, think they it's can really carry hard for them to disease. like that for that disease to get off the fucking well, island. Like, it makes a lot of sense. Maybe they're working. They might have had other ones that not public, maybe. But yeah, it's way less likely that a bird's going to traverse that into cattle country or something. So it's just a, yeah, putting it there in Kansas, there was a lot of deliberation as to was it there and putting it. There's a lot of assessments done by the Homeland Security had to submit, I think, t- at least two, uh, like assessments of the, the site. And then along with like the National Academy of Sciences as well, had to commission an independent study, uh, to try and put it there. And from what I was reading, the, the Homeland Security assessment and the National Academy of Sciences assessment, like they were at odds. Like the, the Homeland Security said, no, it's it's fine. Like the worst thing that could happen 
like it probably wouldn't happen in a million years, but it's like a tornado. Like that's the only risk that we can think like tornado or earthquake. And then the national Academy of sciences were being like, no, like most of the, most of the stuff, like you're overestimating like the, the impact that a tornado and earthquake had where most of your risk is going to come from human error. Mm. And that happens. Yep. And you guys haven't, I, we don't think that you guys have put in the, like the correct, numbers in your assessments or things like that so and then uh the committee the the, uh the house committee that was considering you know because they wouldn't they wouldn't release the funds to construct the facility until they had these assessments done until they had these things done Mm -hmm. but that was it they just wanted them done they didn't say that they were going to be like considered they're just like okay well well yeah thanks a lot science nerds and then they're like we just go and built it anyways (laughs) Well, and this would be like, this would be all well and good if the only thing we were concerned about on Plum Island was research into hand, foot, and mouth disease. But I mean, this island, you know, is shrouded in mystery. And there is tons of other things rumored to be studied there and like, and nefarious people who have potentially worked there. Ooh, are you getting into a little post-World War II? Why don't we? Who, like... Every we all know every good conspiracy, we have to bring it back to Nazi Germany. Oh, and this one has some great ties to Operation Paperclip. Every um, every scientific program in the states had had a Nazi pulled over from Paperclip, and he's got his he's got his fingers in there somewhere. And on this yeah, one, Plump Island's no different. No different. Uh, yeah. So you guys are referring to Doctor Eric Traub, Traub. I assume. Right. So, um, who? <laughs> Who's talking about? so, but I mean, first we got to talk about, like, we actually mentioned him, uh, when we were doing the research into this, like, uh, I, I recognized the name and it kind of like, it kind of hit for me. I was like, Oh wait, no, no, no. We talked about this guy. Like we talked about this guy when we did operation paperclip, because he was one of the people that Dr. Kurt Blome, who is the director of the Nazi biological warfare program during world war two actually mentioned to his interrogators when he was brought over, um, that, he was kind of his deputy. Like Eric Traub was like, Blome told them that, um, well, first he told the Americans that the Soviets had beside, had the best developed biological warfare program next to the Nazis. And then he said that Eric Traub, uh, is one of the guys that you want to get. And Traub had actually been captured along with, um, the facilities on rice, uh, like an island in the Baltic Sea, known as Ricin, and like their facility—not Ricin, like the, the the chemical, but uh, yeah. R I E S. He's pretty smart. Eh? He's like, listen, I know you guys shit's heating up with the fucking Russians. You know, the Russians are next best to us, so you might want to fucking start. You know, right? We can help you out in this. Yeah, and then he starts handpicking his friends. He's like, okay, well, we need this guy because he's the best. Right. Yeah. So Traub was a lab chief uh, of Insel Riemsa, which is the Nazi biological warfare laboratory um, in the Baltic Sea. And he worked kind of directly for Adolf Hitler's second in charge, uh, old Heinrich Himmler. Okay. Probably oh, should have stood trial at the yeah. you Nuremberg. Know? That guy should have been in Nuremberg. So, um, but he didn't. Tr- well, Traub himself uh, had actually been. Uh, you know, he had spent time in the United States. Uh, some of his scientific career was spent at a, on a fellowship at the Rockefeller Institute, Princeton, New Jersey. Ooh. And Rockefeller, after, you say? <laughs> did you say Rockefeller? Hmm. 
And after, after the Russians had managed to capture him, um, they had taken everything in his uh, laboratory, including his what was known as his Turkish strain of cattle plague. So at the end of the war, uh, Traub actually got evacuated from that facility by the British and then came back to the United States on her pro- uh, project cut paperclip. And then pretty much months into his contract, you know, it, it, we talked about Operation Paperclip and how everything kind of like went really fast. You know, every, uh, the United States was trying to beat the Soviets. Soviets Snatch as many Nazis States. as you can as fast Get as, as you can. Get as many scientists. That's what it was. Whatever it was hungry, doing, hungry we want hippos, them. but instead of... <laughs> with Nazis. Is, but Nazis. Instead of marbles. And um, it, Trout was actually asked because of his uh, expertise. I mean, he was a world-renowned scientist. Like, he was one of the best in the, bu- the business to study hand, uh, hand and mouth disease. Like, he felt like that was his uh, his main area of expertise. And then also other diseases like Rinderpest. Um, and I think one of the, uh, what was the other one? Can't remember off the top of my head. But, kind of um, insect city study, you know? Like, did he, any... Uh, so interesting, like entomological vectors of spreading diseases. I'm not hundred percent sure about any of that kind of came across. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, one of the things you'll read about this guy is that one of his ideas that he had was to try to find ways to weaponize insects that could infect big populations such as mosquitoes and ticks. Mm-hmm. Ooh, oh, right. interesting. And, and we talked about that too in uh, was it Unit Unit Seven Three One, where the Japanese were were also experimenting with those, uh, you know, how to deliver uh, biological warfare agents through disease vectors such as insects. I mean, the states were doing that type of shit too, right? Like they were looking. I mean, after obviously, but they were looking at using. Yeah, mosquitoes I, I'm, pretty, to, I'm pretty sure a lot of places were looking at those things because it's like everybody knew about yellow fever. Listen, like everybody everyone, knew about yellow fever at this point. <laughs> and everyone how would you knows be able to use that? How fucking annoying mosquitoes are! And like, dude, we were training fucking dolphins and sea otters and <laughs> and shit. Like, you don't think we? You don't think we try to figure out how to weaponize insects? Like, God well, not damn, only that, but they stra- think of the they, cost. They had plans for cats. All right, yeah, but think about the costs. Right? Like, would there be anything cheaper than fucking utilizing insects? No. No. You can mass produce those little guys. Easily, right? Right. And versus their mortality rates in these, like, yellow fever and shit like that. Like, it's crazy. You put them through little tick boot camp, right? Get them jumping. Yeah. To work with insects, too. You probably don't get a little do, flea circus. You don't, have to, to go. you don't have to do any, uh, much, probably much less, like, animal rights or anything. Like, probably much easier... No one cares about bugs. You oh, know? They weren't worried about that shit though. They were testing humans. They're, this is the same. This they're doing true. MK Ultra and shit. They're like, listen, we got mosquitoes. It's not a problem. Yeah, but He's the like, mosqui- mosquitoes never come back to haunt them. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, it's smarter than snakes. Snakes. That didn't work out very well. Oh, you talk about Operation Operation Northwoods. Yes, yeah. exactly. Snakes on a plane. Yeah, didn't work <laughs> out too well. So Traub was uh, was consulted on a number of uh, kind of construction and also like containment procedures for certain things, including uh, like uh, guidelines and things for how to operate in, at Fort Detrick, uh, the Army's biological warfare headquarters, which is still there in Frederick, Maryland. And, um, you know, he was actually asked to consult on animal disease program from a biological warfare perspective. So this also led him to... Uh, kind of they used his expertise 
to provide the groundwork for what was then Fort Dietrich's offshore germ warfare animal disease lab on Plum Island. And so Traub is documented of visiting Plum Island Animal Disease Center in New York for at least three different occasions during the 1950s. Mm. And at that time, the Plum Island facility had been operated by the Department of Agriculture. So it was still the FDA and conducted research on foot and mouth disease, or at least that's what they were telling everybody. And that was, of course, like that's Traub's main yeah, but that's where, exactly where you call bullshit right away, because why would you be bringing in like this Operation Paperclip? It was specifically started because of the Cold War, right? Like they were using it to develop V2 rocket, all this type of shit. So then why do you just randomly take this fucking Nazi who specializes in disease warfare with these insects and drop? them? Oh, we're just going to, you know, let's utilize them at this agricultural agricultural facility. Maybe you yeah. can help out there. Like, shut the fuck up. He's not working here <laughs> officially. Well, they're you know they're just worried that they grabbed one well, of his, they, one well, of his buddies not officially, in Russia. But they did offer him a leadership position at Plum Island in 1958. Yeah, I which, wonder why, Dan. But he declined. It's a goddamn conspiracy. Yeah, according to the government, he declined. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's some horseshit. I could speak to the reasoning, but I'm not going to do it because you guys. No, are there gonna there is me, no. So why would fine. you? But um, that's ridiculous. Why would you go to the? You've got. Oh, were you? You've there? got hundreds. You've got hundreds of people within your own country that aren't fucking war criminals that you could utilize in that situation. But no, you randomly kidnap a dude from fucking Germany, a place you were just at war with, to come over and work in your agricultural facility? Because those people were the those people were world renowned scientists like prior to the war. He was known for his work. So you so that that would justify taking a fucking Nazi war criminal and bringing them just to work for your FDA FDA facility. Why wouldn't you just kidnap all heads of industry from fucking Germany then? Hey, you know what? Let's kidnap the best fucking... No, not for fucking Operation Paperclip. <laughs> That's we kidnapped. We got Werner von Braun. We got Dr. Kurt Blom. We got a number of chemical engineers, pretty yeah. much anybody that they could Yes, take, and what they did they work on? They worked on rockets, V2 rockets. That's how we got to the moon. Okay, so why are you bringing over a guy that's specializing in fucking diseases <laughs> to work at an FD, at, at, at an FDA facility? Because foot and mouth disease, his main area of expertise, was still a very real threat. And there were still outbreaks that were endemic to other parts of the world. All right, so CIA why would you Dan. not bring the person who is All right, an expert CIA, in it? CIA Dan. Oh, were you there? <laughs> were you there? Yes, I was. Dan's um, got, Dan's got in, intellect <laughs> from way, well back. Well, Downloaded the reason, on the hard drive. like the reason why I, I I tend to believe too that you know maybe there was off book works, you know off the books kind of uh, moonlighting there is because of the fact that you know it, we hear about him wanting to working on weaponizing insects, and then shortly after, little something pops up uh, for the first time, Lyme disease. Oh, Where did Lyme disease come from? Nasty little virus or disease. Before we get to it? Lyme disease, though, I'm getting, I'm empty here, boys. Try to reload. All right, before we get to Lyme disease, we're going to do a quick refill. Reload. We'll be uh, right back. We will be right back. We're Welcome back, back Furious. <laughs> it's me, ex-governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura. Uh, where were we? Plum Island. We we're just getting into getting into the thick of it. Things Lyme disease. Now. Lyme disease. Right? 
One. Nazis to Lyme disease. One. I had no idea that Lyme disease was as recently discovered as it is. That was surprising. I knew it was like hard to diagnose and I've heard people be like, I have Lyme disease and no one believes me. And frankly, I don't believe them either. But <laughs> it's... <laughs> uh, I don't, if you have Lyme disease, don't tell Braden. He doesn't care. <laughs> I just remember, care. dude, there was a big PSA uh, like uh, on Canada one time about like the dangers of tick bites. And it was just... On Canada? On Canada. On Canada. Just in, in general. Canada. <laughs> And I can't remember. It was like a, a whatever, a news series or something, a news segment. And it had all these people that suffered these terrible like ailments that forever couldn't get diagnosed because the diagnosing in Canada, I guess at the time of this, I'm sure it's gotten better now, but at the time it was so hard to diagnose Lyme disease. It hasn't though. That's the thing. Like it hasn't gotten a lot better. It's still a very mysterious illness. It You have this like myriad of different symptoms. It affects everybody differently. It's super bizarre, man. Like that's a lot of people have to seek out naturopaths because there aren't aren't doctors willing to diagnose them with it, especially because like I'll get into it in a bit. But a lot of people will have that classic bullseye like rash. But that's only in like 60 to 70 cases, man. It's right. Like out of 100 or pardon me, percent, the 60, 70 percent. Okay, It's crazy because it's kind of in a way kind of similar to COVID, isn't it? It affects people in so many different ways. Like how it travels through the mm. body. I wonder what other similarities it has with COVID. Hmm. Hmm. Are you gonna are you about to tell us, medical expert? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I can tell you a little bit about <laughs> Lyme disease before Dan gets into the history of how it was uh how they stumbled upon it though, if you guys are interested in that. Yeah, what what happens when you get Lyme disease on So I'll start with just let let's bring it back because I I had to learn a little bit like I, I ended up having a patient one time. Like we go to pick this person up and they're like, oh, like the, the CAD comes up and you get a little description of what's going on. It's like just like some type of exacerbated symptoms of Lyme disease. And I'm like, you know what? I've never ran into this. I don't know what the fuck it is. Do a little research, whatever I read about. It. Okay. You know what? Chronic fatigue, um, migraines, fevers, stiff joints, that, you know, and then we get to this person's house and this lady greets us at the door with one fucking leg. That would like she couldn't move it. It was dragging, kind of like fucking e- Igor or whatever his name is, you know. And like her head was stuck to the side. She had debilitating pain from head to toe. And like this, this lady had one foot in the fucking grave. And I'm like, okay, like I need to familiarize myself with this a little bit more. So I did a little bit of research on it, and I actually chose it when I was doing uh, when I was going through my PCP school. I wrote a paper on Lyme disease. Oh, so, so you're an expert. Yeah. And so now I wouldn't say that. Andrew I'm not an expert. going to read his report word for word. Word for word. Front to back. <laughs> sit back <laughs> for the 18 page. <laughs> a lot of spelling mistakes. Yeah. yeah, not edited. My a lot thesis, of spelling mistakes. My crit- critical analysis of Lyme disease. <laughs> so a lot of people don't know. You actually like, because, you know, like dogs get ticks. Different animals get ticks. The type of ticks that affect dogs those aren't the type of uh, ticks that are going to give you Lyme disease. It's specifically deer ticks are the ones that you need to be worried mm, about. Fuckers. Okay. So now it's super interesting because these deer ticks, they attach, they, they hang on to blades of grass and basically they're sitting on these blades of grass, constantly snapping their little pinchers, their claws waiting to grasp onto, onto a mammal. And it's interesting because they sense the CO2 of the mammal walking by, and that's what it knows to fucking pinch on, pinch on there. 
So not all ticks are infected with Lyme disease, right? So it is like a, an infection that they will have. But the interesting thing about Lyme disease is it actually makes like the 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 uh, ticks that are infected with Lyme disease are far more efficient at finding fucking hosts. Oh, weird. Isn't that fucking weird? That is a weird stat. So anyway, so the type of ticks that we normally are worried about that, you know, we get Lyme disease are from, are their, their nymph stage tips. So ticks, they're adolescent ticks. Uh, adult ticks don't normally feed on humans. So now... Basically, what happens is once those little claws pinch into you, it takes about 24 to 36 hours of them feeding on you uh, for the for the bacteria, the Bieberg Bieberg Dofurier. Is that right, Dan? You could probably Bergdorferi. Yeah, Bieberg Dofuri. Well, it's Borrelia um, Borrelia Bergdorferi. Well, the B the, is the short big for Bordelia. Big B. Right. Dirty, so dirty bee. basically what happens is it takes about 24 to 36 hours from the bacteria to transfer from its mid-stomach to its saliva. And then from the saliva, it goes into the bloodstream. Then it proceeds basically to wreak absolute havoc on the human body, giving you a uh, bacterial infection. So this bac bacteria is, is actually quite exceptional because it's figured out a way to transport itself through the bloodstream, but it also removes itself from the bloodstream by latching onto walls of blood vessels. So it basically attaches to these cells and vessels without letting go and getting washed away through the extracellular matrix, which is like, it's interesting because that's basically what the tick does to the human, right? right. It attaches to you and, you know, it, it's next to impossible to get them off you. You have to get it like fucking burned off you, right? So the other interesting thing that they just discovered that it can also change its protein expression at a much faster rate than a normal that than the normal mutation rate for bacteria. So we're talking like 15 to 20 times faster, which makes it next to impossible for your immune system to catch up, right? So by the time that your your immune system, your body creates antibodies to fight this infection, it's already mutated, I don't know how many times. So those antibodies that it created don't recognize that infection and don't fight it. So that's why you get those long the long haul Lyme disease sufferers. Exactly. They can't, they right? can't catch it, up. No, no. It, it it's like it's fucking it like you said Zell it's got some eerily similar fucking some almost uh, features to code almost like seemingly engineered like it seems just but just by the way exactly, they act right well it, it it's interesting too because the way they test for it is they do antibody tests and how long does it take for your body to make those fucking antibodies right and then they change exactly. Like it's so anyways, the symptoms you'll be dealing with fever, chills, headache, fatigue, muscle and joint aches, swollen lymph nodes. And then the big um, one of the big cells that I was talking about is the erythema migrants. I think it's what that's might be the proper pronunciation for it. But that's basically an expanding skin rash that gives the appearance of that bullseye. Mm. And that's like it's almost a blessing to present with that symptom because then you can get put on like once you realize that you have that, you can get put on the course antibiotics to fight this because if you get on antibiotics soon enough, you should be able to beat it. Like we're talking, you know, especially in areas that are super common to have you know, Lyme disease and ticks, they will prophylactically give you fucking antibiotics if you think you've had come encounter just to get ahead tick. of it as fast as they can. Absolutely, because it has to be caught fast, or it mutates so, and off it goes. And you're fine. and then it's really hard, unbelievably hard to deal with, debilitating. 
there are, but like, believe me, like I've ran into people who have Lyme disease and, you know, are, it is being treated and it is manageable, right? Untreated, it is absolutely debilitating and will end up fucking shutting your organs down and fucking killing you. Yeah, but the it, the rate of death of Lyme disease is pretty low, right? Like, not, it's not like a, it's not a COVID. It's not like killing. Treated? Absolutely low, yes. So if it, Untreated, it'll fucking kill you. It'll kill you in the end, just a slow death. Mm-hmm. So where does where does Lyme disease come from? Because like I was surprised that it wasn't you know found to the late seventies eighties. So in her book, uh, "Bitten: The Secret History of Lyme Disease and Biological Weapons," Chris <laughs> Chris Newby, uh, she begins by saying in nineteen seventy five and where Lyme disease in the town of Old Lyme, Connecticut, which is the namesake for Lyme disease, it became the epicenter for the tick-borne illness as children began to report the the skin rashes, chronic fatigue, and things like swollen knees. Hmm. Old Lyme, you say, eh? Connecticut. How far is that from Plum Island? Uh, short of short, 17 miles. 17 miles. 17 17 miles. miles. Pretty close. And so this is 1975. And then about six years later, you would have uh, the the actual name for the condition, Lyme disease. And at that time, they're pretty much the, the four like the foremost expert on this disease. Somebody had been looking at this disease um, from different angles. You had Willie Bergdorfer, which is the namesake for the Lyme, the spirochete or the the type of bacteria which causes uh, Lyme disease, uh, the Borrelia burgdorferi. Um, And he was researching um, at the Rocky Mountain Biological Laboratory. So in 1982, he published his findings in science um, and they named the spirochete, which he had found in honor of him. Now, I'm going to make the connection that I'm sure you've made at home and that plenty of conspiracy theorists and our good friend Jesse Ventura made. But this place is 17 miles away from Plum Island where an ex-Nazi virologist who was said to be working on how to weaponize ticks and mosquitoes is now the epicenter where they find and name Lyme disease. Just to fill in the blanks for you there. Very strange disease. Right? Very Hmm. strange disease. And... Right, and we, quite differently than the majority of bacterial infections, and it, it's what it's. You know, and I'm not saying that like there's. I'm not saying that there's. What I'm saying is that what are you saying? Perhaps <laughs> there, you know, like we've seen in other places, was a lab leak. Like ticks are ticks are fucking tiny, right? Did one get out? Does did did something get out? Jump on the back of a bird, and you know make its way that way or infect the tick population on the island and the, and then get out that way like could this be could you link this to that research facility and perhaps it was something as simple as like hey we've recognized this disease in ticks i wonder if this jumped to humans could we figure that out uh, and then potentially figure a cure and before that in the name of defense of trying to figure this out you know getting a step ahead of it one of these little bastards gets out, makes his way to Connecticut. I got, I got question. I got another question, maybe for Andrew. So if I get bit and I get Lyme disease, how, does like a, if something if something bit me, would it pass it on? If a tick 
You know what I mean? Or how it, or is it just ticks have it in general? How do they get it so easily? Well, ticks get it from, I believe they get it from vermin because it, it something they, they carry it, but like benignly, does that sound right to you? Like doesn't affect them. they have, they have that disease, but it doesn't affect them. Right. But the ticks will attach to the vermin and get it from them. And then they can transmit it to us or to deers or to whatever. Right. Gotcha. So it gets out into other mammals. The tick bites though. Mm-hmm. Gets the tick gets it from those mammals after it feeds, sticks to a human, bites you, you get it. I'm gonna look, make sure I'm gonna confirm that it's vermin because I believe I remember I, something like that. Okay, well we'll come back yeah. to that. But okay, so it could something I was I was asking because like what if you got bit, human got bit in the lab, they're embarrassed, they snuck back out, they had the disease, they get bit by something else, or it transfers that way. I'm just trying to think how if if you did develop it in a lab. And it passes from being bit and not like through the air. Like how would it do? How would we, how would it happen? Well, because if if it escaped and let's say like Braden said it attached to a bird, anything like that, it can spread from there, right? It, it's not like it's going to kill. Like it dies with the fucking host that it infects. Right. Like you know, I'm just saying, if we're if we're getting into like you know conspiracy, I'm like maybe this was a catalyst of just to see this certain spread of Lyme disease that is you know so adverse to humans you know kind of spreads wild from this point of plum island where it's like you know it gets some birds uh birds then pass it to each other other ticks bite these birds and whatever enzyme or something that is created in these ticks just kind of unlocks this the lyme disease to be transmissible to humans right i'm no scientist so nor am i none of us are none of us are (laughs) none of us pretty much that that is the that like coincidence of it being so close proximity to where they find this Lyme disease. We'll talk, I mean, is that's, that's the main, that's the main theory. It's, it's, it's hard. Now is, is this the first history, like instance of Lyme disease ever recorded? Dan? Is, well, is, is it? That's not I don't necessarily know. true. No, <laughs> but I think, I think Andrew, Andrew has more to say about it. Well, well, that's not true. This isn't the old, like we, we have a, what, what is it? 5,300 year old fucking ice mummy that we had, that we know that has the same bacteria, right? The exact Talking same. About exact same. Yeah, or, we, Ootsie. That's the thing. Exact same bacteria or well, some type of manipulated It's interesting you say though, because you can't like look at cancer for an instance, like you can have cancer cells in your body and not have cancer, right? Mm. Like, could it be carrying this? I'm not sure. But again, that doesn't really destroy anything for me, right? Like, look at it, like, look at it for this reason. Like, first of all, we're talking about a weaponized fucking virus as opposed to a naturally occurring one. And now, like, we're currently dealing with, they like to call it an endemic, like Lyme disease is an endemic. It's an, it's an ongoing fucking problem, but it, it, it's it's almost turning into an epidemic, right? Like you look at North America, North America alone, it's since doubled, the rates have doubled since 1997. And now it's spreading way past the, before it was located in isolated areas. It's not anymore, right? You can get like, we didn't have this issue in Canada. We have, we deal with fucking Lyme disease now. Lyme disease is everywhere. It's a systemic problem now within North America. And that's why there's right? all every year those huge ticket announcements all over the radio. Well, and we TV. never we never had these issues previously, right? Nope. Until we never had, growing until up, this, did I ever hear well, worry about worry about a tick bite? 
but not like, till we, I was like it, a teenager. It's, it's been it's been increasing since 1975, right? But yeah. that's that's when we knew, like that's when we knew exactly what we're dealing with. That who's to say that thousands of people going into a doctor's office because they're lethargic and not feeling well, you know, didn't go undiagnosed. Mm. Well, Lyme and disease, that's the right? thing. It's, we don't it, know. It, it, forever, it's been it was really hard to diagnose, and it still is it today. Still so is. So it's it's one of those things where it's like you, you know how many people have suffered and lived with it, not even knowing. Because it was not getting diagnosed properly. Well, yeah, if the antibodies are always changing, you do like an antibody test or antigen test or whatever. It's probably like pretty high percent of false positives or negatives. Or maybe or what so going back to the going back to the Otzi the Itesman thing. Now, what you guys are talking about. So, I will give you that they didn't find the exact virus, but they found when they sequenced Otzi's genome. We we have a complete sequence of his genome, which is super fucking cool right off the bat. Um, what they found in there was the in the bacterial DNA. You had, they had at least like about 60% uh, are pretty much like a complete enough genome to recognize that these were the spirochetes that are known to cause Lyme disease. And you might be like, okay, well, you know, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't really mean anything. But we also think, because the cool thing about Otzi is being so well-preserved is that you can actually see tattoos on his skins. I mean, you guys have heard about this, right? Yeah. They had to, they, the skin was so well preserved, like you could see actually tattoos. What they actually linked together, or what some anthropologists, when studying Otzi, is that they identified that the tattoos that he has are mainly located on joints, on his joint areas, oh, where so the in, where he would have had the fucking issues from fucking Lyme disease. So he, they're saying that these these tattoos could probably actually be medicinal and purpose yeah that's, like that's what they were meant to do and he was he like from his bones like they did identify like he'd had problems with bone loss they were able to identify that um that he suffered from arthritis um i mean it could also be that he was like a 45 year old you know basically this is was it 3000 bc oh he's that's like a hundred he's well past prime <laughs> well past prime yeah. big time but he's also suffering from some of these some of these diseases and these tattoos are not um, they couldn't find any evidence of these kind of tattoos identifying him with any other tribes or anything in that area. So it wasn't something that he would. They were used for identification. They were probably th like they were tattoos that would have been covered. Or maybe he just really liked tattoos on his joints. I mean, it looks cool. It's, it hurts like aesthetic. fuck though. Yeah. Those are the worst places to get. Yeah. Tattoos. I don't know. Zell, connect the me. dots, man. I mean, um, so now we've we've talked about potential viruses, um, you know, coming from there and. Lyme disease. What else uh, is Plum Island and famous for, or rumored to be going on there? Oh, so if anybody remembers testing <laughs> if anybody remembers a report from July two thousand eight, you'll remember the Montauk monster uh, that washed ashore on a beach near uh, the business district of Montauk, New York. Um. This article first appeared in the newspaper, the F-22 Raptor, apparently, and they kind of put out That's out the name there. of the newspaper? That's the name of the newspaper. That's a fucking awesome Badass name. name. I, mean, I, I feel like it's all caps. The newspaper. They probably use all <laughs> caps, zero punctuation. <laughs> yeah. Just scream everything at you. Fucking Montauk Monster was found in New Jersey this morning! So the interesting thing about this this creature is like you can look up pictures of it. I don't know if we have pictures. Do we have pictures of it? I mean, you can Google it. Montauk yeah. Monster. It, it looks the like Raken one or the long. It was featured. One? It was featured on Ancient Aliens. Like it made yeah. it all the way out of there. I remember it being. It looked on like episode. a. It looked like a weird, 
I hated every single time someone was like, maybe it's a raccoon. I was like, that doesn't look anything like any fucking raccoon. It's got a beak for God's sakes. Yeah, but it's it's decomposing probably, right? Like yeah, it's but, probably me, yeah, but, mid decom. You can see like the lividity and shit like that in it. Like it's it's definitely decomposing. Yeah, but I can also see the beak. Yeah, it's probably it's mouth. But I mean, if you take like a horse's, like you take a horse's skull, it looks like a beak when it's like, fucking. It looks like a beak when it's decomposed. <laughs> I'd say that. I, I would. I yeah. I skulls do take a like a way different form without the flesh and cartilage on them. But this one, like, have the, you ever seen a hippopotamus skull before? Well, yeah, but the, yeah, but the thing about this, well, yeah, that is actually a terrifying. Like, it's fucking weird as hell. Right? Have you? Have you seen a hippopotamus skull? Were you there? Were you on the beaches? Yeah, at my times when I was storming the beaches with the Marines, I've seen plenty of hippopotamus I skulls. I wrestled a hippopotamus with my bare hands. And you call yourself a patriot? Hmm. Um, that thing is like, it's a weird thing. It caused a lot of commotion. I was in a cage match with a hippopotamus. <laughs> Snapped his necks like a barrel of twigs. <laughs> oh fuck it's too um, but like to look at this thing like I would be startled if I was walking the beach and I saw this thing I mean I, I completely agree with you but I think there is a few like it might like it's decomposing it's they you know it obviously washed ashore so there's definitely gonna be a lot of bloat as well like it's gonna be as disfigured as fucking possible yeah. it's gonna be really hard to be able to tell what this thing is that being said it looks weird as fuck i, I don't argue with you there i agree there's but no but i so i see like it looks super bloated it's missing the hair but the, the, the flesh seems all there but the, if so if there was a beak either it got like this face got eaten which is a possibility like something picked his front face front of the face clean but it does look like a beak has been fused with like some type of badger. <laughs> now, like a, like it's got badger body. This this thing uh, was attributed to Plum Island, and that people were right away theorizing that, like with ocean currents and stuff, that there is a possibility that this thing was either killed there, escaped from there, uh, and died, ended up in the water, and drifted ashore. So it was potentially floating in the ocean till it, till it, you know, got to Montauk. This is one of the creatures they were working on. Like it got infected with Lyme disease, but also also with hoof and mouth disease, which they coagulated into one, creating one yeah. super mutant. Looks like a badger to me. That's what Poor it looks bastard. like. Poor bastard. And then he fucking two different diseases going on. But he, he burrowed his way off the island into the water, and now we washed up on shore. I don't know. If, I don't know if. <laughs> I don't think Lyme disease would affect it, though, personally. Like, I know, like, your hoof dog. And mouth, hoof and mouth would make it severely weak. Yeah. Like, burning out saying, might be out of the... Uh, I'm saying that them mutating together, the one, the bacteria with that virus, or is foot and mouth a virus or bacteria? Whatever. When you put them together, well, it creates... Foot and mouth is a virus. It's a virus, bacteria yeah. is, uh, is what causes Lyme it. disease. Mm, okay. See, I went with they're doing some Dr. Shivago shit and they're just stitching animals Dr. together. Dr. Shivago is not like a... The, Dr. Shivago? Is that not the Dr. Right Moreau. One? Dr. Yeah, Moreau. The island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. <laughs> Which one's Shivago? Oh, dogs like a, can get Russian, like That's like a that. Russian revolutionary movie. All right. So maybe him. Definitely Dr. Monroe. Uh, they were stitching <laughs> stitching animals together or or doing experiments and and you know with breeding or something. That's what I was reading of like raccoons can get Lyme disease. Interesting. It's um, 
that does make an interesting turn. I never even thought to see what kind of animals could get Lyme disease and some of these uh, other diseases. You just better. said it wasn't a raccoon. Well, I don't think it's raccoon. It looks I, like it has a beak. I said I said raccoons can get Lyme disease. I was they fused right, it with the know. head of a bald eagle for freedom. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. That's standard procedure. As yeah. you do. Um, but like, you know, is it that hard to imagine that this island is doing... Um, tests on animals i don't know you know from birth I thought that was their whole thing i thought their whole thing was to do testings on animals right, that's exactly. what they but exist like from birth giving them some sort of defects or deformities that would create something like this what we're seeing here i don't know it is a weird looking is that creature. too far of a stretch that they're testing like they're testing these diseases on like animal embryos and stuff and then and growing them up and seeing if they can um, make these things immune but in yeah, doing but we, so like we have evidence of animals with with foot and mouth or hoof and mouth disease and Lyme disease, and none of them look like that. None of them have no. beaks. It's not causing them to have fucking random superpowers and yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just I yeah I don't I don't know what the fuck it is. I don't need, but that's the thing is I don't think they're just doing hoof and mouth testing and shit like that. I think they're fucking doing evil shit. Why else you bring a Nazi super scientist over here? Go to all that effort. His name was on that list for a reason. They wanted mm -hmm. him. They headhunted him. They brought him here for a fucking reason. Hard, hard to disagree. So Montauk Monster, undecided of what it. Yeah, nobody Wait, actually knows what even, it is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, what about, what about salad like fingers? A... What about salad fingers? Oh, or whatever. shit, I oh, forgot. Talk about salad yeah. fingers. Yeah, what's his name? Yeah, they're, uh, well, that's, that's a strange one because a body actually washed up on shore of Plum human Island. Human body. Human a body. human body. And the one thing of note that this was a tall human male with extremely long fingers. That's in not the report. Yeah, but not only that, though, the weird thing I thought, too, is he had the, the fucking bolt holes in his head. Five bolt holes through his head. Okay, where where uh, did we find the bolt holes? Because I could not find... Uh, Jesse, I heard it from Jesse Ventura, so that's all that Are you calling me a liar? Were you there? Were Are you, you taking... Chris Kyle's side over here, pal. Because I don't you want to hear your finger to in those bolt holes. Did you put your finger over you there? Listen, I was a Navy SEAL and the ex-governor of Minnesota. I okay. was in you predator. Stick your God fingers in those holes and move it around like a bowling ball, because that's what I would have done. When I I get down to every mystery when I'm when I'm on the continental United States of America after spending my winters in in Mexico, and I I I, I have resources. Through my time in the seals, that have I given also me have eighty-seven dogs. <laughs> yeah, this true? is from Jess Ventura. The, I mean, eighty-seven <laughs> dogs. The, <laughs> the report, the like, all the reports are there. I couldn't find them outside of Jesse Ventura stating that hey, they have, went to the police I, station. I would we also, I would also kind of, I, I think it would it. be worth mentioning that this place is like near New York and New Jersey, which is uh, rife with. I, I, there are a number of bodies that long fingered humans. Yeah. <laughs> there's it, a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, La Famiglia. This case is, this case is hey. allegedly still open Forget on this mystery it, eh? man with long fingers. Um, well, yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's why I was asking. Cause the only news article I could find was from, from the fucking Lieutenant. New, yeah. The body weekly, hasn't been identified. New York post. Open. It was from yeah. New, just New York post. And that's all it says is it was a, a male mm -hmm. with long fingers. And that's, there was like no other information. Do we nope. do we have an estimate on how long these fingers were? Nope, just said long fingers. With a how tall was he? Do we know how tall? A he was? Six foot Listen, male, 
with a large feet. build and very long fingers is the listen ah. for that to be your most distinguishing features they gotta be six long. feet there's gotta was, be some long ass fingers man it's probably johnny long fingers he tried he got his fingers into some stuff you know he kind of took more johnny, than he could uh johnny, johnny long, long fingers johnny hey. long fingers man so full gaze huh johnny long yeah. fingers sleep with the fishes huh put your fingers where you're not supposed Forget to put them man. Hey. gonna fit Gonna fit this guy with cement shoes, ah? Eh? Forget about it. So people days. referred to him as the mutant man uh, from Plum Island, right? And maybe they're doing some sort of human experiment. But I, I totally forgot about that one too. Man. The long. It's like, but why man. would it? Why would you let it wash up on shore on your own island, yeah. discovered right. by your own security? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, the, the fucking ex governor of Minnesota showed up on your shore. God damn it! Nobody stopped in him. a pirate coast guard. Coast guard didn't stop boat. him. Nobody's gonna stop. He's, nobody stops a fucking Navy SEAL. Um, yeah. What else did? Uh, what else was going on in Plum Island? I mean, that's that's really it. Like the the allegation. That's the big allegation of Lyme disease. Is one of them. Um, is it shaped like a plum? Why is it Plum Island? Why is it Plum Island? Yeah. Was it shaped like a plum? It's a good question. Where, why? Where does Plum no, Island? I've come heard. From? I've heard it described as shaped as a like a pork chop. That's what I. Okay. So why? <laughs> where, why is it Plum Island? I'm curious. He named it for a person. Not sure. Maybe the first owner, Sir Barnabas um, Plum. Could that be it? Now, should we get into some theories and final thoughts? Let's do it. What I lean towards is this facility was used to research, you know, under the guise of animal diseases, right? And they were researching animal diseases. Um, but then it turned into, well, you know, if we have all these people and, you know, Nazis in Russia, they're working on these biological weapons. I believe this lab turned into, well, hey, we should try to see if we can get these animal diseases to jump to humans to then figure out how best to fight them if that happened. And, you know, mm. and if we do it, perhaps that's, you know, we could use it on someone else if need be. Oh, we wouldn't do that. Obviously, we would never do that. But it's just for our defense. We should get ahead of their offense. So th under the guise of like, hey, we're just trying to figure out how to better the animal population. They studied these things and they looked at how they could make these things, you know, if there was possibilities for these diseases you know, under certain conditions or whatever or, or certain mutations to jump to humans um, to better fight it and i believe that as they started to gain traction maybe with lyme disease and bringing over um eric um Traub, Traub, hans, Traub, hans trauber um you know as they started to bring in these people and they started to get uh better at it it started to gain more interest um you know we had there's um carl grossman uh, he's a professional. Bear Grossman. The, the Grossman. He's the Grossman. a full-time professor of journalism uh, at the State University of New York. And he spent, he says, five decades investigating this laboratory. And he says from like whistleblowers and stuff he's talked to that um, they've been trying to like work on like vaccine resistant anthrax, um, tons of other like diseases and weaponized cholera and tons of other stuff that he says there's just no FOIA request because it's all black book operations. Um, and he, and he was big against, um, this facility moving to Kansas. But I think as soon as it got taken over by Homeland security, it, it, I think from that point on, it's just been, you know, we'll do anything 
in the name of protecting the United States. And that, I think research at that point has probably kicked into full gear uh, from that point on of like, make these things be able to jump to humans and then figure out how we could fight it. Well, so you say that just Homeland Security took over in 2003. Lyme disease was discovered in... 1980. Well, 1975 is when it popped up. But I'm saying they're still 1975 is when it was first clinically described. Described, sure. And then 1981 and 82 is when they... Let's call 75 the first outbreak. Gotcha. Well, I mean, it wasn't, but... Wait, what is the first mass, the first on record mass casual, well, mass on record. Yeah, exactly. Record. Well, That's prior to that, Lyme disease had a bunch of other names like it or well, that. Do we know that for the sure? Disease had a lot of probably. Things. probably, 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 probably. I mean, yeah. Probably. Were you there? <laughs> so I would say most of the stuff. OK, the Lyme disease thing, I would have to say I have to recommend that you guys read the the paper uh, published in Ecologic <laughs> Nature, Ecology and Evolution called the Gen- Genomic Insights into the Ancient Spread of Lyme Disease Across North America by Catherine S. Walter et al. The rest of their and the rest of her team where they actually gathered together a number of uh, ticks like from like 30 year period, like a 30 year thing at least 30 years, like going across like preserved ticks, like prior to the, even prior to the outbreaks that you have recorded in 1975. And they actually found out a really cool thing. So like Andrew said, and Andrew mentioned, he talked about how uh, Lyme disease is extremely adept at like changing, right? You said how it like likes to change and it's very like, that's how it's, it's difficult to change. What she found that's like, they found that earlier estimates of when, uh, the outbreaks or these when Lyme disease actually popped out might've been inaccurate due to, because they hadn't earlier scientists hadn't taken that into their calculations and how it went in things. So basically what they did was they took these ticks and they pretty much like they took the DNA from these ticks, they spun it down, they took out, they were able to isolate the, the bacterial DNA. So the spirochetes, they were able to isolate just their DNA and pretty much like take it apart and then piece by piece, being able to analyze it individually, they could figure out phylog. They could trace phylogenetically how the virus had changed or how the bacteria had changed per generation. So generation by generation, they traced it back and then taking the amount of change or the rate of change, like Andrew says, because they kind of nailed that down with it because they had so they were lucky enough to have so to many times. samples. Well, they were lucky. Yeah. And they were lucky enough to have so many samples. They could calculate how long it would take for those changes to take to take hold the how many how many how long it would take for those changes to develop. And they said that that reached all the way back to their best guess was 60,000 years ago. Best guess. It's crazy that it took so long to put the tick bite together with those symptoms, though. It is. They took two moms in 1975 to be like, well, you know what? My kid's got a bite, too. It's right. It's, like, that's that's what blows my mind. And I'm, I'm saying it. I, I don't disagree that Lyme disease or that kind of bacteria or whatever has been around forever. But, you know, is there a possibility that perhaps it, it could have been maybe tampered with or 
altered and, and and yeah and just made a little bit more effectively doesn't even have to be by that much right or is it a possibility that most of the outbreaks that happened wrong that you know we had our outbreaks popping up in the 1970s were due to the demographic changes in the united that were taking place in north america where you had re, like large-scale reforestations <laughs> you had explosions of deer population like you had the you know, deer you know, population <laughs> deer population and global warming are two things that can lead you to to increases in ticks. I understand that. But when you throw into stuff like first we we add in Dr. Traub and Project Paperclip, right? Or Operation Paperclip. We have evidence. Like we've brought these signed in silvers. We have evidence. We got MK Ultra, Artichoke, we got Cointel Pro. Like we we have plenty of evidence of these scientists in action. We have the fucking V2 rocket. These people were these people were all specifically brought over for fucking key reasons. Okay, and then you go in through the history of the United States and we have Operation Big Buzz, Operation Dropkick. We've got Operation Big Itch, all weaponized uses of insects. When did those take place? After the fact. No, after they fucking came. What year did those ones take place? After 1975. Operation Dropkick. Not all not all of them. But listen for a second. Now they've also been working on fucking using caterpillars to take out fucking cocoa leaf and cocoa leaves in fucking Peru or using them. Or I can't remember what bug they've been using, but to go after fucking opium, mm. right? Like they've been purposefully trying to weaponize fucking insects for how long now? How is it so hard to fathom that this was a fucking facility used to attempt to, to fucking weaponize that. these, right? Why else would you go to the trouble to bring this motherfucker to your country to do so? When was the first big Hand, foot, mouth, hoof, whatever the fuck, outbreak. When was it? When was the first one? Yeah, the big, when was the first on record? When was the first big, the first big one? Right, so you said he was brought over because there was issues with hand, foot, and mouth. And when he was brought over I mean, in the they 50s. Had, they had one outbreaks, they had a pretty bad one in Mexico, like. In, in the, the 90s. Uh, no, like, I mean, the, that's where after I just, they, that was I just, before I, they established I spent the whole the break one, looking like, it up. I took the whole break going up. There was nothing on record before the fucking late 80s, late 80s, early 90s. So you're telling like it's a. okay. so so talk. okay. Mexico uh, and Canada had outbreaks in 1954. Mass ones. Not to be worried about enough to fucking bring a kidnapped fucking Nazi scientist all the way over to fucking North America to get him to fucking work on impetus for them to for them to build. Plum Island Agricultural Department, like the Agricultural Department, to dis- to establish the research center. That's why they did it. It's it's know, a matter of public record. You can look it up. Like they said, like this is the reason we need this facility because. Oh, we need and to you study believe everything your government tells you because the government slide to me my whole life. but i will also believe that on multiple occasions and there's multiple records of them talking about yes the the military did experiment with the disease vectors of using insects and stuff but in most cases most cases suppose because i don't know all of them 100 of them off the top of my head because nobody does they said that this was a very ineffective way in order to think like you already said uh, lyme disease is easily treatable it's easily treatable. It's like, why would yeah, you use it as it's, a Because it's extremely vector? hard to detect. It's, it's fucking, especially in the 70s, you didn't even know what the fuck it was. It was next to impossible to fucking detect. Right. So why would they be experimenting with something before prior to that when they didn't even know what it was? 
Because the people working on it knew what it was. No, Eric Traub knew, didn't even know what it was until the 70s. Eric Bergdorf, Willie Bergdorfi is the only one who named it and isolated the bacteria. That bacteria wasn't even known to be a thing until 1981. All right. I, I, get a, well, I guess we'll have to dis- agree to disagree here. Uh, so what do you think? I, I'm just saying like, why? Let Dan tell me. So, so you you think he would have to do, like they're working on secret projects and they're just going to disclose exactly what they're fucking working on? You don't. I'm like, saying that science doesn't have. I'm I'm saying that science doesn't happen in a bubble. You don't have science like military scientists who were completely isolated because that's the entire. So then, why would you go like so? Werner Braun one. If it, if that wasn't happening in a fucking bubble in Germany. Why would we even bother fucking kidnapping him and bring him it over wasn't to North America? In the bubble. He cor- like I did, like the war only lasted for so long. Like they had their they were were not working in a bubble. Like they were working with other scientists, teams of scientists. It of German scientists. We person. needed that technology. That's why we fucking took them. Unless why wouldn't we just wait and design it on our own? I mean that just yeah because scientists doesn't happen in a bubble. You need other scientists who are working on the same concepts to trade ideas and things like that. So oh, why yes, wouldn't you I bring over know. people who hey, are experts hey, in okay, their fields so to talk he, about? Them? Let's say that Dan. So let, let's say we just brought over this guy and he's like he's like yeah i'm really good at hand foot and mouth disease and they're like oh yeah that's great we heard you're into weaponizing ticks what do you think and he's like well i got some ideas i don't really know but like we you know we could do this and this and maybe him even pitching this concept gets us to uh 1970s current lyme disease perhaps Right, but what I'm saying is that we didn't know what Lyme disease was till the 1970s. Why? How would you ask Traub, who hadn't even been involved in any of that? Like, how do you get him to work on something, or how do you develop that kind of technology to do that before you even know what you're working with? No, we weren't there. Well, so, what was his plans for weaponizing ticks in fucking Germany then? They were they were working like I don't know specifically ticks, but they had were they planning on just fucking slowly bleeding Russians with ticks? <laughs> yeah, like no, I don't understand. Death from a thousand <laughs> like, bites. Well, like what? Like obviously <laughs> there obviously there's a reason why he was working on this, right? Because we've known about insect borne illnesses for a long time. We've known about malaria. We've known about yellow fever. We've known those for decades. <laughs> like, of course, you'd talk about it. Like, he would probably know about those things. And if you're familiar with like the works of cattle and hand, foot, and mouth disease, you'd be worried about those things. But I'm, I'm okay, not. Okay, but so he's sure already. He but we know for a fact he's already been working on weaponizing fucking insects and ticks, right? Specifically, I don't. I didn't see any. And then 17 miles away from the facility where he's working is the first. Outbreak of, I mean, it's a happy coincidence. I guess. I mean, I they, did I have, just, I can, they did have outbreaks in Wisconsin as well, like uh, 20 years before that. Did they name it Wisconsin what? disease? Where are you, Dan, Dan just pulling out new facts as we go here. It's like, actually, yeah. in Wisconsin, 20 years before that. Because he can simultaneously fucking disease. argue and look things up at the same time. That's exactly what he's doing. Uh, no. Zell, what are your thoughts? I don't know if I want to give him. I want to hear them. <laughs> it's all fucking fun. Like, who I'm cares? I'm just kidding. No, I mean, it's. The coincidence of having Lyme disease discovered close to a level three, like bio lab where they study, well, I mean, publicly they only say so much, but yeah, I mean, do they let, let all information or are they only doing this and this, or you do it, you have a Nazi scientist and I get why I get paperclip. I get that like, okay, well, Russia's taking scientists. We're taking scientists. We got to figure out what they're trying to figure out before they figure it out in case they use what they figure out on us. You know, so I, I get like, yeah, you, we, both sides took scientists from a whole host of fields, you know, 
but yeah, he goes to this thing. It's see the it's the it's the little sliver, the little nugget that pulls you in, right? Like okay, you got you got the you got this new newly discovered disease debate on when how many thousands of years ago or whatever. Like this is the first time in modern society that we've just found Lyme disease and we gave it a name and it, it's been progressing over the years. So do I think it's out of the realm of possibility that something happened at the lab that they never told people? Maybe. Do I think it was that did they manipulate Lyme disease? I don't know. It's strange that he was working on parasitic with parasitic insects before coming. Hey, I mean, Operation Sea Spray, the government sprayed fucking bacteria all over San Francisco and killed people with UTIs. Like, for them to fucking... You know, be tampering with some ticks doesn't seem improper. I'm, I'm like everything you're saying. Yeah, so I'm saying I don't know. There's, there's obviously this is in a subject like this, you can, you can find, you can go every direction. I don't know, but I'm, I'm not giving it a hard, uh, no chance. I'm saying like, we know shady shit is done. You know, even with the best intentions, sometimes bad shit can happen. So that's why I'm just, I'm just gonna say it right in limbo, Plum Island. Questionable at level three lab. Hmm. Who knows? I like that. I, I, I'll put myself firmly in limbo. I just, the one thing I can't get over is bring in a fucking, that guy over here for just, just, well, just agricultural needs here. And the, like, I get the increase in cat, the increase in deer population and, you know, global warming. Those are two factors that could help. But the fact that this is like the numbers are doubling and tripling fucking yearly. We're like hundreds bizarre, of man. hundreds of thousands of cases. It's it's bizarre that we just it, you know like that. I don't know. It's it's bizarre to me that the fact that th that shit just all went undiagnosed for that long. If it had been around since the you know how old Utsi was again. Well, you already. I mean, you mentioned how difficult it is to old. diagnose, and it shares a lot of symptoms with other diseases. Mm -hmm. Like so, still, yeah, I know. But like I said, with with um with fucking first of all. First of all, it was 60, 70 percent or 80 to uh, 70 to 80 percent present with the fucking EM, the bullseye like uh, expanding skin rash. Right. We know that. And then we know that uh, 95 percent of the cases were all within certain fucking or certain cities. You know, when this first and from when in 1975, when it start, first started coming out. Right. Like it's. I don't know for that, for that many things to get lined up. And the fact that like you actually get fucking bitten by a tick, right? Yeah. You could have hair and it burrows in. You feel it, mm -hmm. right? You don't just randomly like, Oh, I, Hey, there's a tick. I can't believe that. I never, I had no idea. No, you have rashes. You get fucking bitten by shit. It's just, I don't know. I like, I, mm -hmm. it, it's hard to fathom for me, but I will put myself in limbo as well. But uh, having said that, we do know, we do know now, we just talked about it in the last power hour, still waiting for the final thing. Over the course of history, there has been gain-of-function research done on other stuff to see how it's going to affect humans in the future and maybe to plan for possible pandemics or the like. So maybe, maybe it was as simple as that. They were found this virus by accident. They are planning for it. It got out. I don't know. I'm just saying. it's Stuff gets out of labs. See, this one was fucking fun. Fun one. This is fun. A lot of angles, a lot of different ways to go. Hey, but this I'm, is a lot of fun. I'm siding with the goddamn Navy SEAL on this one. <laughs> All right. It's hard this not was, to. This was, it's 100% done by the government. They're involved. 
they're making, they're weaponizing ticks and mosquitoes and they're inbreeding monsters on that island. Why would they shadow my pirate boat if I don't have something <laughs> to hide? Uh, we're going to talk, we'll, we'll talk about more of that. Well, conspiracy yeah, we, we've talked about it so hours. many times. What's uh we got to say where that's Jesse Ventura, Ventura conspiracy theories, the show. I'm not sure what episode that oh, was. Oh dude, the Plum Island episode. It, it it's honestly it's a, go, a comedy gold mine. Yeah, I forgot about that show, and yeah, it's it's good stuff. He he gets offended, like visibly upset that no one will drive him out on a boat to the secret base, and he finds someone to finally do it, and they approach the the top secret base with a fucking pirate flag, flag on top of the boat. And when the Coast Guard's coming, he's like, I was the goddamn ex-governor of Minnesota. Who the fuck do they think I am? Some sort of terrorist? I'm like, why will they? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, they probably think you're a fucking pirate because you've got a fucking pirate flag Why won't they let the me onto a secure facility where they develop animal diseases without an appointment? <laughs> like, okay. Like, oh, dude. There's a great part in the episode early on where obviously in the cast, I think his name's Alex, who's got to be their Dan. And they're all going around talking about Plum Island and this Alex guy like, puts his head up and he's like, hey, maybe we're just making a big deal out of nothing. They're like, shut the fuck up, Alex. This is a big fucking I'll deal. And they're all like yelling. They're like, oh, shit, goddamn cow, cow country, middle of cattle country. What the hell do you think we're doing here? I was a goddamn Navy SEAL. Do you remember when David Blaine was attempting put to hold his breath for Alex. 17 minutes in 2006? Well, he failed that attempt and he came to see me because I can hold my breath. I've been holding my breath since 1973. <laughs> I've been holding my breath this entire podcast. <laughs> it's, uh, dude, it's so funny when he goes to Washington, he goes to Washington unannounced and he's like, none of these cowards were talk to me. <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to talk about more about the episode okay. in after hours. We're going to go forever here. Yeah. Uh, let's give a quick shout out to a theorite of the week. Who do we got this week? All right. This week's theorite of the week is it's loading and it's Joseph Knott. Knott. That's not right. K-N-A-U-T. Oh yeah. We got to go for this. Uh, a great meme with a goddamn Jim Dan. <laughs> uh, yeah. We've got a Rougarou over here, Jim. It's such a perfect I just love Dan's face in that. Like honestly, it cracked me up. It's so I good. mean, that's Dan that's Dan without a shirt and a hat. Yes. Everything else is that's, perfect. Like yeah. that's just him. Short, like jacked, deal. hairy shoulders. Yep. That makes sense. That's him. Yeah. That's, that's him. Mm-hmm. So theory of the week. Excellent. Thank, Thank you. Fairly accurate yeah. representation. Uh, we are we're doing that's a much so. better job now of collecting all the theory of the week material, all the other stuff from socials and doing a weekly weekly beatdown of it. Ten, what do we do? Like usually like five to 10 different ones every week. In Instagram, yeah. share, share them. Oh everywhere. yeah. I do a little best, uh, little best, best of. of socials post. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, always, lot of uh, good stuff. It's usually about 75% Burmeester guys. Hey, flooding our fucking socials. Machine. He's good at what, what he does. Do? The guy can only win fucking... so many times. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. can't give it to him every week. I'll tell you, you know, if he, if he gets that, if he got that Tim, I would give him the third one. If he got that Tim Scully and, fucking Samsung Galaxy tablet photo because that's hard work. That's like, that's putting in. You're putting in. All right. Meester, you've been tasked. <laughs> you've been tasked. You want that theorite of the year? <laughs> it might be us though on our pod trip. We'll see. There is talks of a pod trip coming. Uh, more information soon. Booked it off yesterday. Fuck yeah. 
At least we got the date, not exact location, to be determined. Stand by. All right. If you want to support your boys, support your favorite show, get early access to the podcast, ad-free, live stream, Discord, all the bonus stuff, patreon.com slash alien theorist podcast. This week's newest supporters, Fizabeth, Doc Legless, Tenko, James Serber, Craig, Callie Welch, and Kurt went up a tier to the five dollar pledge. I think that's pronounced okay. Braden. <laughs> Kurt. Oh, Craig. You said Craig. It's oh, ju- oh, just Braden. Craig. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. Sorry. Braden supports the show. He usually subscribes and deletes it instantly. And pays no money. <laughs> Classic. Classic. All right. uh, and as we always say at the end of these things, keep those eyes on the skies. See you in after hours. <laughs>